0: Welcome to the Rizan Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 107. I'm Joel Payne. I'm Sam Hargreaves. And this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving at their local church and beyond. In this episode, we'll be talking about the dynamics of introducing new homegrown songs to your congregation, reflecting on our successes covering the other psalms last month, and setting a new challenge for April. Hello, Sam. Hello, mate. Which psalm did you do? 132, I nice. think. Nice choice.
1: Nice choice. I struggled, yeah. Did you? I mean, it's too early to talk about this, isn't it? But I, yeah, yeah I, got- I found it quite hard and then I found that little chunk and I was like, that's it. I'm,
0: I'm zoning in on that. A chunk and a chink, if you will. <laughs> yes. A chink of light and a chunk of psalm. What else have you been up to then? Uh, I don't
1: know, really. We were in Bristol. We did a training day in Bristol. Cool. We did um, Evergreen uh, Young Worship Leaders Retreat in Guildford. Uh, And we're getting ready for spring harvests, and uh, my kids are off school because the boiler's broken at the school. Uh, Yeah, every day my son prays in the morning that, like, (laughs) God would mean that they don't have to go to school. And this week it's worked.
0: He truly is chosen.
1: Yeah, so it's like to it's back to um, homeschooling. I've got trying to log him into Google Classroom and
0: oh no and then you've got to try and remove those backgrounds next time you're on a video <laughs> call <laughs> because they're all there Oh man! shouldn't your um children by this uh mature age be running all the tech in your house you'd
1: think so wouldn't you but then you try and do you know you try and do like parental control things like oh, oh yeah. you have to log in first so then he has to come to me and say dad you need to put your password in and yeah it's a pain isn't it then it doesn't work and blah blah, blah. Yeah.
0: yeah ah well um I have been, along with several very kind uh, volunteers and uh, team members and stuff, been working my way through over 400 songs Whoa. for the Lament and a Hope double album project. Isn't that amazing? Does that does that beat the Porter's Gate? I totally had, like, beats the Porter's well. Gate. In your face, yes. Porter's Gate. I don't know if it does, but um, <laughs> it's good, isn't it? It yeah, feels really. good. And it is... Um, it's really good. I've I got to say, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of wading through stuff. Um, but doing this, I, I really wanted to do this parallel project because I wanted us to be able to really talk real lament and really talk real hope at the same time. Mm. And I've got to say, I'm finding it enriching and inspiring. I, I, I really believe in this because, yeah, both these things are, are so important and so good. And I love the idea that we... We, you know, we're kind of saying to the church, Look, you've got to hold both these. You've got to, yeah, and no, you don't just hold them and try and reconcile them all the time, do justice to both. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited. But it is a big project, so we are going to have to run a crowdfunder. Uh, yeah, so, um, I'm basically, I think we're going to be looking for about eight thousand pounds. we got we, you know, we can put we've got a certain amount that we can contribute to it. Um, But it's a big project with two albums. So uh, my little idea this time, as well as kind of doing some advanced sales and offering resources and stuff, is that people might take on a little chunk of the fundraising. So as part of our crowd funder, we're going to allow people to pledge to say, for example, um, I will raise £100 for you by the end of June or or something like that. Um, Because I reckon if we can just get, a bunch of people doing that—that that takes a chunk of it really quickly, and then those people can, you know, sell homemade cookies, um, do a Facebook birthday fundraiser, um, auction off bits of their home. I don't know, all <coughs> kinds of stuff, um, in order to do it. Do you think? Do you think that's quite a good idea, Sam? That's an excellent I idea. I mean, it's, mate. I suppose it's not a new idea for charities to get other people to do fundraising for them, is it? Or a sponsored event? What would be a very uh, apt? um a singathon. actually i'll tell you what let's bring in our other um our, our co-hosts i guess for today andy clark elise masser <coughs> hey hello Morning. hey uh right on the spot come up with an idea for a sponsored something to raise money for the hope and lament album we've got a resound sing-a-thon. tissue boxes resound tissue boxes
2: so they can use them during the Lament album. Yes. And it's there, and it has, like, quotes from from the songs. How did the like, economics the, of this
0: work? <laughs> have you uh, have you looked up promotional tissue boxes?
2: You asked me to come up with something on the I spot. Did. I did, <laughs> I did, it's true. I think
1: you buy tissue boxes, and then you, by hand, <laughs> you do lettering on the side oh. of the tissue box.
2: Get visual artists in, involved in like, could. And stuff. like, gel pens. How about that? Let, they could modge podge the sides. The what? The they, what, could what? Do the... they could do the what? Oh, is that a... What is modge? that?
0: Modge, modge podge. podge. That sounds like a modge. character from In the Night Garden. <laughs> <laughs> What's
3: that? Oh, sorry. Here we go. <laughs> good, good old UK-US Let's... relations going well. Let's move on. Andy, do you have an, uh, any oh. ideas for... Well, I you... had an idea about maybe we should auction ourselves out for the evening. You know, like you do for... um. Yeah. You know... I. How much to spend an evening with? Easy. But how would go out for dinner, you know, a <laughs> lunch? I mean, who'd you,
0: okay. Who would get the most? Who do you think would get the it most? Was on, of all the
1: regular teams... it was on Ted four Lasso. Of, four
3: mums and dads. Who do you think would make the come most? On. <laughs> so that will be the poll on the Facebook group, everybody. So yeah, you up. Get
0: your uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you can add additional options. Okay. Well, I think I think that it's possible, isn't it? And it, or it could be just save up your pocket money for three months and then. Hand it all over, uh, Sam. You have been fasting from social media. Yes. How's that going?
1: Glorious. Is that- yeah. <laughs> I. I mean, I think the thing is, you. You fear that you've. You've missed something Are you important. Hurt? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone's like asked a question that. Oh, dang it! But you know, that's the FOMO that I am trying to step yeah. away from. Well
3: we started auctioning you out Sam. <laughs> yeah, we are. You, missed,
0: you missed that one mate. You really so. don't want to see what you went for. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, I actually, I don't have social media on my phone through a, 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 just a completely happy coincidence that when I tried to set it up the authentication thing got stuck in a loop and so I gave up. Um, hmm. So that's, that's a nice Glory. place to be. Yeah, what have I missed though? Well, um, Andy posted an incendiary question on Facebook, which, which was not incendiary, but it did actually Easy. lead to some quite interesting um, responses, and I thought it might be good for us just to chat around that for a minute now. Andy, can you um, refresh us? Yeah, I'd love to.
3: So I was in a conversation in my uh, church office, I'm on staff at my church, and I oversee the worship team, and I was talking with one of our leadership team, and uh, she was commenting on... What an excellent job I did on Sunday. Just throw that one in there. But the, the reason, she said, I don't know why you're so surprised, Sam. And the reason why I did such an excellent job was because I didn't, she said, I really love the way you didn't mention who wrote any of the songs. <laughs> like, like, as if I do it the whole time. But like, you didn't mention it. So, and this is the quote. This is actually important. So quote, so all the glory goes to God. Okay. So uh, the idea is that like, there was like no yeah. distraction. And I looked at her. With my kind of face tilted to one side. I was yeah. like, hmm. And I replied and I gave my answer. Now I'm gonna hold my answer back okay. for the purposes of it. But I thought what I'd do, I thought it'd be really good to mention this on our Twelve Song Challenge Facebook group. Yeah. We've got songwriters, we've got worship leaders to kind of see what you know, how how people feel about this. Do you when you've written a song, do you announce this is a song that I've written and why or if it's been written from within your community maybe you're not the songwriter yeah how's that gone yeah that was the question great yeah.
0: and there were quite a lot of responses and quite a variety in the responses and some of them were really thoughtful yeah. as well um which i thought was helpful and i i kind of thought a lot of them are based on certain principles or certain assumptions kind of key key reasons why you might do things a certain way um and it it seemed to me that the two there seemed to be maybe three things one was to do with with the own kind of um personal uh humility discipleship of the songwriter themselves and how how that might affect it one was to do with the idea of the flow of worship the presence of god the the glory of god and then one was to do with the kind of important with the community relationships and and mm. so on and they seem to be the the factors that were influencing it sam because you um didn't see any of it yeah where, what would you come out with where would you say in
1: my <clears throat> church we're quite a small church and um i wouldn't say there's any particular sort of sense of like celebrity um and i think so we one of our music team has written some settings for the kind of communion liturgy prayers. And we introduced one of those a couple of weeks ago. And I said, Hey, Janine has written this. And for me, that was a real kind of community thing of Mm. affirming her. Mm. And, you know, as a quite a small church that probably, you know, doesn't think of itself as amazing in a lot of ways. Like that was quite an affirming thing to say, Hey, one of our members is, as, so uh, for me, I, that's no problem at all. Um, I can I, I can see the problem if if it's in the middle of a very intense flow of worship and you sort of suddenly stop and and do that, or if there is yeah, if there is sort of issues with sort of c- the celebritizing of your worship leader or of people that are wor- you know writing songs. But in our context, I don't have a problem with it at all.
2: Our, our church tends to have the philosophy that we let the liturgy speak for itself um and so there's not a lot of communication between the music team which i often lead and the congregation um so like if we were like we don't talk about a song we don't try to set a tone for the song we don't um try to lead them into a song we just Sing the songs and trust that they will lead themselves in many ways. But when it comes to say a song we might be doing at the midpoint, we call it the offertory. Um, there've already been announcements, and so people are kind of primed to already be listening. There's like this pause in the service, and that's when we might talk about the why we're bringing a song forward, who wrote the song, maybe one to two sentences but but our church is unique to many of other churches we don't use any powerpoint so we have printed bulletins every week and in that bulletin is listed who wrote every song and i think yeah who wrote every song in the copyright um so we you, joel you talk about assumptions we work under the assumption that people will read it and they'll notice Thank um us. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes the music team doesn't even read who wrote songs and I shared kind of a funny story about that up on social media. Um, but that that's where we land. There's just not a lot of talk between yeah. the music team and the congregation. It's pretty much like the priest, the celebrant, they're the ones being the liaison and we are supporting that. So, But mm. I love it. I mean, we we used to have people, um, my husband was actually one of them, who would write songs but then not give their name. They'd want it to be anonymous. Um, and I've actually pushed back on that with some of our songwriters. If I can tell it's actually not part of their discipleship that they're doing that, it's because of a pressured sense of what humility looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And really, it's because of the congregation. I mean, when we do a song and it's really meaningful, a lot of times you want to look that song up. You want to know where it came from. And if there's nothing that mentions that, Mm -hmm. then they're just kind of left going, well, I guess I only heard it that one Sunday. Um, And so it is a way to not just honor the person who's done the work and is testifying to what God's doing in the community, but it's also honoring the person hearing that testimony to recognize that it is happening from one of their own people in their community. So that's interesting. I
3: thought actually the response was was mixed. I thought that I, <clears throat> excuse me. I thought I'd be inundated with people saying, "Oh, I agree." Well, you know, I you know, I think yeah. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm with you, I'm with you, Andy. I think things like this. But people were loads of people just said they didn't want to mention it. There was this big thing about distraction. Actually, not wanting to cause a distraction. And I wondered if there's almost an aspect of almost like false humility there, if almost like fearing distraction is actually what people really are scared of, actually kind of fearing rejection, if they're putting themselves out there saying, this is something that I've brought. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my my take, I understand that I'm probably in quite a unique position, okay? So I'm the worship team leader at our church. I ultimately decide which songs we sing. Um, So I only actually have to convince, like, one person whether the song's good enough. (laughs) (laughs) um, I I told our leader, I actually think it's important for the church to know when a song's come from its own community. Mm. I think it actually brings a level of authenticity that you can't find elsewhere. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's better, but it just means it's homemade. I think of it like this, so... um, have you ever been around to someone's house for dinner and they grow their own vegetables yes <clears throat> yeah and they'll be like these potatoes were in the ground but two hours ago yeah and uh, they come out and they <laughs> yeah. deliver them and yeah and it kind of brings uh, my in-laws say this all the time hi if you're listening love you it brings more of a, <laughs> it brings more of like um like a family focus can you, yeah. can like, you, can you, you can... say
0: hello to my wife as well because she does actually listen quite regularly <laughs> Let's Hi, shout out you. that'd
3: be lovely thank you carry on shout out to you well you doing an important job and thank you for helping me with this metaphor Rihanna. so so it brings more of a family focus but then you can give thanks to god for the food but also appreciate the community yeah that you're in yeah yeah that's my metaphor
0: i think it's good um i, I think a bunch of things I, it doesn't matter that much does it, it, it as, as long as you don't Unless you actually feel really strongly about it, in which case it begins to matter. You, know, you know, so for example, is your pattern of worship to talk a lot or not? I suppose if it is to talk a lot, then saying something yeah. about who wrote the song makes a lot of sense. If it's not, then it would be a bit weird to interject, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, it's true. Uh, I do find I struggle a bit with the idea with this whole sort of distraction idea. I think people are often a bit worried about it being a distraction in worship, as if somehow that breaks a magic spell, as mm. if somehow God can't hold our attention. Or I just find that theologically difficult. I think this is all about God and very little about us. And therefore, to imagine that by doing things, you know, and there are various things that come up, aren't they, we say might be distracting. To imagine that those are somehow going to undermine the worship of the God of the universe and his ability to engage with us and so on. I kind of, I want to, I just sort of want to push back at that a bit. Uh, Whereas at the same time, I totally understand just doing things in a way which seems sensible and makes life easy for everyone, of course makes sense. But I I don't like the kind of fearfulness of somehow we'll offend the spirit or something by by, by that kind sure. of thing. And then I think um, there's a sort of th- this thing of kind of, you know, got to give all the glory to God. But I just think, and if, this is part of my, one of my hobby horses, but if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, it's clear there are a whole pe- load of people in that church claiming they were constantly giving all the glory to God. Don't interrupt when I'm speaking in tongues for five hours. We're giving the <laughs> glory to God, and Paul is saying, "Yeah, but you're you're not listening to each other. You're not giving people an opportunity to contribute in your worship. You're you're mm. you're cracking on with communion because it's such a holy moment, rather than wait for the the poorer people to arrive who are still at work or the or the slaves or whoever else mm. it might be. And mm. it's so much of that is a critique about worship,
1: mm. but
0: it's built around community relations. And so I think it is really I am troubled by a theology of worship that doesn't think community relations are absolutely integral to it because that seems to be the message of the new testament i understand it's quite difficult to apply sometimes but therefore for me to not acknowledge that god has done something that he has given gifts that he's released creativity that he's blessed the church for the building up of the church through somebody is to miss giving glory to god because he deserves glory for that. And enough. I think the song I'm singing is written by so-and-so in Australia, I, I miss out on thanking God. And we miss out on celebrating his work amongst us. So whilst, on the one hand, I want to hold it lightly, I don't think it really matters. I think the, own, I think the personality of the songwriter is as important as anything else. If they're shy, just be kind and don't say anything. <laughs> you know, there are, there are things like that. But I do think a theology of worship... Which thinks we have to create a kind of a magic moment, and that the people are not important. I, I, I don't agree with. Hey Amen. I don't normally Preach speak it. that strongly, but there you go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think it also like de- it depends on what what are people culturally reacting to. You know, like I think, and maybe this is different from the UK to the US and other countries, but. Um, with the celebrity worship culture that we can experience quite a bit in the U.S., I think there's a reactionary that we've experienced it poorly, therefore we can't do it at all. And whereas seen so often, like, there might just be another way.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Mm. Not just not do it at all. Yeah. And,
2: And how... And how can you find that way that does honor your community, that doesn't push an agenda? You know, Andy Piercy said something to me years ago. It, it was just off the cuff, but it really lodged in my heart, which was... Um, now I'm about to say, oh, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, um, say, say everything in love, not to prove a point. And, and I just thought that was so important. If we're, if we're sharing a testimony of what God has done through music... To love on our congregation, to to communicate God's love to them, to honor them in the good stewardship of their gifts, and we do it in a way that blesses the congregation, rather than we're trying to make a point that we're just as good as Hillsong or we're you mm-hmm. know we don't yeah. have to use songs outside the church. There's a difference in heart posture there, but I think I think people are so afraid, and they've seen it done poorly that yeah they just they don't even want to go near it and and andy and i've talked about this as co-writers i am much more quick to add someone as a co-writer to my song than maybe other people are but that's because i'm reacting against um the idea that many other songwriters that i know of are just like no this is my song Mm. Thank you for your contribution, but it's my song. And so we are many times. We're, it's because we care, right? Conflict mm. like this is because we care. And yeah. so let's just continue to move forward in a way that we care and cultivate cultures that communicate that.
3: Mm. That's good. I think sure. just in wrapping this up, I think what it comes down to to me is actually the act of leading worship is, is a pastoral act. And I think oh, if you just yes. see it, it's like yeah, okay, it's a fridge magnet. Like if you just see it as a thing where you're just a human iPod, there's a reference for the people in the two thousands. But like then, <laughs> then you're missing the point. But the thing is, like I said, it's a pastoral task. You have a responsibility for the songs that you sing, the way you bring them, and the community that you're in. So I would love it if people would just think more about that. And I think unless you're really, unless you really start to think about song worship, which we do in our community because we write songs for it, yeah. then you often you can just see it as just like a a playlist that gets put on so mm. yeah i said that to my church leader but in a kinder way yeah <laughs> <That's good. laughs>
0: thank you thanks folks Twelve-some in the month of march we did the other psalms we had already attempted psalms about 18 months ago and we covered about two-thirds of them so the challenge this month was to pick from a shorter list of the less loved psalms the ones we didn't quite fancy the tricky numbers and <laughs> Um, Elise, I think you, amongst one or two other people, Ken and Rebecca, have been monitoring this quite closely. Now it is the we're about three days off the end of the month here, but where are we at?
2: I am so glad that you asked. So we have as of this moment, there are yeah. four psalms that have not been <gasps> posted. Now, there are people who are claiming that they've worked on it or they are working on it. And I just want to communicate to yeah. you all I do believe you. But
0: You don't um, sound like you believe.
2: <laughs> no, I I do, but I think it's just like if you haven't post not posted, not counted. So Yeah. Yeah. But I mean that um, is the
0: twelve song challenge motto. Yeah. basically, isn't it? So that's fair enough. Yeah. No flag, yes. no
2: country. So we have four psalms that um, have yet to be picked. It's kind of like a biblical dodgeball game where everyone lines up and you pick in who's going to be the last psalm that no one really wanted to pick, but picked just because they were left. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. So you guys have they? dodgeball Can you, in yeah. the UK? Okay, just making sure. Can,
1: what are those two psalms?
2: Uh, so the four are 106... And 7, um, 60,
1: and 64. Are they particularly difficult or is it just a quirk?
2: Well, 7, 60, and 64 are in the lament category, which doesn't right. mean they're necessarily difficult. But um, Psalm 7's unique. It was one that David wrote about Cush the Benjamite. Interestingly enough, I tried to find Cush the Benjamite In the Old Testament and can't find him so he had a song written about him but no other mention can you imagine being Cush in the congregation like you're singing worship and then you're like wait a minute is this about me (laughs) (laughs) it's all about me because David not only said that he wrote the Psalms he said who he wrote them about (laughs) and that can be a little bit awkward I hope, so, da- yeah, I hope so- David
0: didn't actually stand up and announce that he'd written the Psalms before he led them, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's so distracting. Was- <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel bad. I'm, look, sorry. Everybody who <laughs> takes a different view, I want you to know that I love you and you're probably right. Carry on. <laughs>
2: um, and then 106 was a Thanksgiving psalm. I didn't get that one last night to look up like what might have made it tricky or... Um, Yeah, I could do a real quick view, but I just remember number seven, because a couple people said they were working on it, but they didn't know what to do. Um, Oh, another one was, I think this was 64, it's either 60 or 64, what uh, David wrote it after Joab killed 12,000 people in a rival tribe, not tribe, but like group. So... That's kind of hard to step into those shoes. I mean, what would I do if my friend killed 20, 12,000 people? Here's a song. (laughs) Um, So that could make it tricky. Um, But we'll see. I mean, four psalms. Yeah, I mean, Psalm
1: 7 has this line, which is just so ready for a song. Those who are pregnant with evil conceive trouble and give birth to disillusionment. I mean, there's a song right there, surely. That is beautiful poetry, isn't it?
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. boom amazing um, right come on then let's see what we got we, let's, let's, let's have some songs from this month Andy you're going to kick us off
3: I'd love to kick us off well I am the leader of team Annette or Annette I, I love my team so much I don't even know how to pronounce their name so, Annette yeah Annette Annette,
0: Annette like Gannett
3: like uh, Gannett. Yeah. Well, one person, one thing I do know how to pronounce is the name of Oscar Nash, and he has written a psalm based on Psalm 17, brackets, apple of your eye. It's my DJ voice. <laughs> I call on you, I know you'll
5: answer. I pray to you, you turn your ear. Show me the wonders of your great love. Save me by your right hand. Hide me in the shadow of your way.
3: Beautiful job, Oscar. Now, I don't just love it because it sounds like Champagne Supernova by Oasis. Yeah. But I like... Credit to you, Oscar, for some cracking chords, I've got to say. like the, the And I, I will always focus more on the music, on the melody and the harmony. But then I just think it's, it's got this like beautiful, relaxing and kind of longing feel. And that um, uses lots of the straight NIV translation. And actually like, that longing music kind of adds to the plea of like, keep me as the apple of your eye. Which is a phrase I don't really like, by the way. Just, I'm not, wanna, not having a go at David. Yeah for his his lyric writing but I just found it a bit of a strange I know we're not here to critique him
2: (laughs) Um, so I would love for us to listen to Irene Baum's song that she wrote based on Psalm 81
6: Sing aloud to the God of Jacob Start the music Beat the drum Shout for joy To the God of wonders Celebrate what God has done. God rescued us. We're not slaves anymore.
2: Irene has is a songwriter has a very unique style, that is very accessible, and she's just very true to herself, which I love. I mean, I never listen to a song by Irene and think she's trying to be someone else. So just mm. kudos and shout out to that. Yeah. Also, I love, um, I love the phrase "God of Jacob." I love the idea that God gave Jacob a new name as like part of his redemptive identity, and yet still refers to himself and other people refer to the God of Jacob almost like I mean the God of the liars, that God is one that comes after those of us who, you know, we're, I mean Jacob's story is just ridiculous. And yet God still pursues those who um, maybe aren't aligned with His will and we can all identify with that so i i think i hope we can all identify with that um and so i love the god of jacob phrase and i also love what she did lyrically with the psalm because if you go back to psalm 81 it's actually a lot of um god speaking to israel and she's turned that on its head she has taken what god has said to israel and then highlighted aspects of his characters, like a shepherd and the savior, and written the people's response to that. So I just thought that was brilliant. And I was hearing in my head, sing to God for the God of Jacob. Like, you can make it in different styles yeah. um, while still being true to the song. So, love it. It's
3: good. Cracking job, Irene. Yeah. I'm going to um, throw one in the mix from um, saxophone wielding Dave Jarvis who sadly is not wielding his saxophone in this track but I love it nonetheless <laughs> this is Psalm 144 Our Strongholds Are deliverer. <laughs> North Norfolk Digital Stretch out your hand from on
5: high O oh Lord rescue your people deliver us Smite these invaders whose mouths few lies Stretch out your hand and deliver us Bend down your heavens, O Lord, come near Flash forth your lightning and strike this horde Touch these great mountains and make them smoke let fly your arrows deliver, Lord, for you are a steadfast love, our fortress, our stronghold, our deliverer, our shield, our one in whom we take refuge, and you, our hope, is ever sure trusting in you as we craft new songs
3: hear us O oh god as we good sing good stuff Jake your... he he took on a smiting psalm yes dave <laughs> <Yeah>. come on <laughs> yes. he said and he, he said this in his um in his introduction on slack he said the warlike nature of the psalm is difficult for me but this helped me remember that there are situations where these prayers are needed and isn't that so yeah, true, totally true yeah. I, think, I think if you're not in that situation it, it can kind of think well this is like old language no one, needs, no one ever will speak like this but you think about all the places all, all over the world where people have been displaced because of war and it's just it's, yeah and I thought as well that the melody that I use actually makes these words very accessible in a text that I can imagine being quite hard just to, to read so uh, great job Dave just more saxophone next time please my friend <laughs>
2: yeah. alright well I want to give a shout out to Graham Sr. he wrote a setting, or not a setting but he um, versified Psalm 2 so Though the Nations Are in Uproar
7: Though nations are in uproar
2: their peoples
7: plot in vain their
2: Songwriter seeks to write really rich text, if that's what you're able to do, which Graham is able to do, and put it to a tune that their community may know that is also able to be put to it. And so this is put to the tune of Aurelia. It's associated with the church's one foundation. I love how the lyrics for that, that tune is commonly known for also fits this, the idea that the church is one foundation is Jesus Christ our Lord, and how we hope that our nations are also, their leaders are seeking God's wisdom rather than their own. And I just wanted to read the verse 3 and let it stand for what it is. "'You rulers of the earth, therefore serve the Lord with fear. Approach his throne with reverence, all you who would draw near.'" Lest he, inflamed with passion, should scoff at all your plans, go plead with him for wisdom and follow his commands. Hmm. Good stuff. Oh, yeah yeah.
1: Wow. I had the sort of thought when I was <coughs> approaching this, oh, maybe I'll do a metrical psalm. Hmm. That's much harder than
2: I thought. <laughs> it is. It's so hard. And I think I saw that throughout a lot of the challenges. You you reach these harder psalms and, and a lot of them were written verbatim. Like people are literally setting the psalm to music. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole other ball game to try to lyrically and poetically put things in your own words and still s- stay true to the psalm. And it's, it's not easy.
3: Yeah, totally. Nope. Well, what is easy is being able to recommend this next song, which is by John Biggin. Oh, Alan. John Biggin from Team Briar, who has done a great version of Psalm 99. I'll have one with the flaking, please. The
8: Lord reigns; Let the nations tremble And throne, surrounded by the angels. exalted over all the earth. Great is the Lord as I am come, let us praise His name together. Lovely,
2: that is so lovely,
1: so vibey, yeah, yeah very vibe-y.
0: Really.
1: evocative. Really got. I'm not evocative. allowed to say evocative mm, yeah. anymore
0: in our house, but huh? no, <laughs> oh, I think I'm allowed to say evocative. <laughs> it's
1: a <yeah>. long
3: story <laughs> until Rihanna listens to this, but then she goes, Don't say that anymore. Talk I just think it's lovely chords, lovely melody, easy to sing to. Those high notes in the verses are really satisfying to sing. And the lyrics are good too. I imagine. I mean, I was focusing on <laughs> focusing on the music. No, I'm joking. It's great. John done, done an absolutely fantastic job. If I was to critique, it, I would say it's disappointing you didn't use the word cherubim. But um, <laughs> I'd like to see a little bit more of that in there. But it just I thought he's love a really good way about making that song really accessible. Yes. So cracking job.
2: Well, last but not least, I would like to mention Day Forey's song that he would say is co-written with Keiko Yang, um, and it is Psalm 122, The House of the Lord.
0: I will rejoice with those who say to me, let's go up to the house of the Lord. Oh, sorry. Psalm one, two, two. That was my version of Psalm one, two, two. I was going to say, that. day <laughs> 4 he sounds an awful lot so, like Joel I, Payne. I'm so, sorry. I don't know how that slipped in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? Play the whole. Th- no, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Same key, though. Mm.
3: Let us go into the house of the Lord. Nice. Now that's a song about Psalm 122.
2: <laughs> 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 uh, oh, well... Uh, Psalm 122, for those who may not be aware, is part of the Song of Ascents. So these are um, psalms that the people would sing on their pilgrimage back to Jerusalem. And I think you can just hear that. It's like this good walking pace, got a groove going on. I can just hear this kind of call. And re- it's not really call and response, but you can t- I feel like you can just hear everyone lifting their voice with it. Um, and I also love how each verse builds on why we're glad that we're going to the Mm. house of the Lord. Like, I think sometimes about my son who's like, I don't want to go to church (laughs) because he's just so tired (laughs) in the morning and we have to get there so early. But Dave does such a nice job. Like, there's peace in the house of the Lord. Like, these are the reasons why I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I just thought it was lovely.
0: Yeah, great stuff, Dave. Good job. Let's have a star of the month, shall we? Pew,
3: pew. (coughs) <coughs> what I think I would love to there is somebody who has been dispensing their kind comments here there and everywhere all over Slack at their own expense their own expense yeah I can't think of anyone else anyone better Nobody does it better than Ken Spence
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the challenge for April is called Worship for Workers. For this month, we're joining in with an initiative that has been organised by Fuller Seminary in the United States. Uh, A whole project built around the idea of designing resources for worship, which makes Sunday worship meaningful and relevant for people who spend most of their time at work. Um, and there is actually a whole interview, so we're not going to talk a lot about this. I've done an interview with um, Matthew K. Mink and Katie Ruloff from Fuller, who are spearheading the um, project, Um, so that is going to be episode 108, which will have come out concurrently with this one, um, where they talk quite a lot more about it, Um, but essentially it's to kind of say, isn't it a bit weird how we turn up at church, and it's as if nobody actually does anything on 9 to 5 most of the rest of the week. And yet, actually, that's where so much of our life happens. How can we make the elements of worship speak into that, reflect that, equip for that, and 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 dignify and recognise that that's a place of praise and worship and whatever else it, it might be. It struck me, Sam, this is quite similar to stuff that you've worked on over the last few years.
1: Yeah, it certainly rings some bells with uh, Whole Life Worship. Um, I got that book uh, that you mentioned, The Work, work and Worship. It's really, it seems really good. Uh, I was just flicking back. We did this back in episode 33 back in the dark ages yeah. when people still use iPods. Um, so yeah, you might want to check out episode 33 or our whole life worship stuff as well, which is very much, you know, it's a similar vibe of just trying to say to people, how do we make Sundays a place that reflects the fact that people have come from a week of, wo- of work and are going to a week of work and that that is equally a place of worship? Um but you know, it just looks very different. You don't necessarily sing whilst you're, you know, doing a spreadsheet or cleaning out a drain or something. So
2: I mean, maybe you don't. I can say, I'm, <laughs> I'm yeah. singing when I'm making
1: spreadsheets.
0: spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> she got to to break off from the spreadsheet. Yeah, complete yeah, the song yeah. that has been inspired um <laughs> that's actually not
2: too far from the <laughs> yeah no, I,
0: I believe it uh yeah so there is a there is a book um which you can get hold of um which is kind of unpick some of the kind of theological and um practical um liturgical issues around this um so this project is designed to gather resources and I, i'm not making this up they are saying we want you to send us everything so as part of this, we're looking to see if we can generate some stuff which might become useful resources, which they could then share more widely. They're not intending to be a publisher, they're merely intending to be a place to share and point people towards resources. Um, so our, I think you know our main thing in 12 Song Challenge is always we say, All right, start with your local church. What is going to make sense in your context? What is going to bless the people that you're with? Um, but if you get to the point where you think, "Ah, oh, I think I've got something here that uh, could be shared more widely, then um, check out the notes. or will make sure we share it in other places as well. You can look for the Worship for Workers project online as well. It's pretty easy to find. Um, and we'll, we'll give you the means of being able to share those. But do, you know, make, make the most of the month. You know, let's get some good feedback on them. So whatever we send is, is really good quality stuff. Um, there's plenty in the um, in the podcast interview which will help you um i just had a few uh, additional thoughts once i've been mulling it a little bit since um interviewing them um it struck me quite an interesting song could be a could be using a particular job maybe even your job um as a metaphor for discipleship Mm. worship in some way you know because we use shepherds as metaphors and (laughs) mainly shepherds as metaphors <laughs> and not many other things but maybe maybe you're a dentist maybe you're an accounts clerk maybe you're a tattoo artist i don't know and you've got there are things that you <laughs> do all of those things maybe all those things are <laughs> different days um maybe there's something in there as a, as a kind of metaphor um and uh, the, the other thing would we'll just be thinking of, oh we say this don't we at times Think of somebody in your church. Now you could actually talk to them. You could interview them. But I, I, I think thinking of a particular person in your church works with all kinds of songs, but obviously especially this one. Um, who's the person who seems disengaged, for whom this would really engage them and suddenly you know join all the dots in their life that that could really help. Mm. Um, or, or you can do it more with more with a kind of archetype. And then the other uh, couple of things I thought were we can quite often sort of have worthy jobs in church so off the top of our heads we say you know so we could pray f- for people in their day lives so that like the doctors and the teachers and the nurses and the people doing the worthy stuff yeah um but there are loads of different jobs loads of different vocations and i, and mm. I kind of think we do that and then we often say oh and the cleaners and the so we we, we quickly yeah. lift up the cleaners, but then it's just a whole range of stuff, isn't there? So just trying to think a little bit outside the box on that. And of course, thinking about the jobless people who either can't work um, or can't get a job or have lost a job or whatever else that might be that, you know, that's a real experience in people's lives as people who the Bible says were made to work. Um, you know, it's really important that actually we address that in our songs as well.
2: I was just going to say, Joel, your your comment of thinking about the people who can't work. I know that it's I've had conversations with people in 12 song and my own parents that when they retire, it's like their ident. They don't they have to recalibrate their identity because so much of their time has been yeah. given to a particular job. And now that's not there. And and they can actually genuinely feel like, well, then I guess I'm I'm my time here is done. Mm. And Mm. so it would be interesting to like songs about work that also honor those who have come before us and worked before us and can continue to give wisdom, even if the work that they've been given to do has now been passed to someone else to be in the trenches. What? How can they continue to be honored?
1: Yeah, great. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's also worth thinking about what is those people kind of glorifying and worshiping God look like in their work? Because often we narrow that down to, well, are you, um, witnessing, you know, are you telling people about Jesus? But actually there's a whole other range of ways that we could be glorifying God just simply by doing good work. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, doing the, you know, doing the work well, doing it ethically, uh, doing it in a way that, you know, glorifies God doing it a way that, um, helps you know the the maximum amount of people is kind to the environment you know all of those there's there's more to it than just are we going to go out and tell people about jesus in our workplace Um, so maybe do some thinking around that
0: so do listen to the other part of the podcast um, for loads more on this particular theme and then let's get posting those songs (laughs) that's all for this month and our featured song this time is going to be by Elise Massa herself from her album Sunset Songs for the Evening available from all good uh, music su- distributor suppliers and it's called Now I Lay at the Altar so until next time bye bye, bye. cheerio <laughs> later.